welcome to the Delicpod with me, James Delicpod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but look who I've got back on the show is James Corbett, the legend that is James Corbett. Welcome back, James. It's good to be back, James. Thanks for having me. James, um, because, because you know everything and you're so much more thorough than I am. I think I think no, no one has ever, ever, ever listened to my stuff and said, yeah, James is really on top of the detail. But they do say it about you. So I thought it would be the perfect opportunity to pick your brain because, I mean, so much has changed since our last, you know, the, the end of the world has accelerated to its inevitable. No, let's, let's not be depressing. The end of the world has accelerated. Where do, where do you think we are now? Just Can you give me a kind of a, a summary of, 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 of where we're at at the moment? I am extremely hesitant to say where we are on the timeline because as you say, it's accelerating. And I think we're in, we're in one of those periods of history that they talk about, you know, more happens in some weeks than happens in certain decades. I think we're in that period right now. So um, let's just, I mean, let's just take stock of what's happened in just the first couple of months of this year. We had the incredible, unbelievable freedom convoy in Canada taking place and the equally incredible, unbelievable crackdown on that, which revealed, I think, to many people just how dire the straits are for those who would even think about donating to a protest against the government. Absolute insanity. And then, of course, we had the incredible kerfuffle in Ukraine that is still ongoing, that continues to be on that brink of total escalation into World War Three or whatever, uh, a, 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 with all of the attendant things that came along with that, like the delisting of Russia from the financial system yes. entirely, pretty much. Yes. I mean, that that is so incredibly important to what's taking place right now and what's coming next. Because as I've been talking about since the beginning of the year, actually, I did say I think geopolitics will reassert itself as the COVID hysteria dies down, and that has certainly taken place. And my, my predictions were cyber attack in the near term, uh, it, some sort of monetary event leading us into the CBDCs in the midterm. And then the long term was war, actual hot war. I, I don't, I mean, that was just a guess. Maybe yeah. that goes in the other direction or the other way around. But anyway, I think those things are definitely on the plate. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I suspect that you're probably where I am on Ukraine, that it is yet another massive PSYOP being conducted against the citizenry of the West by its, its governments. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the, the delisting of Russia, which I don't think, even at the height of the Second World War, I don't think I don't think Germany was 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 delisted. So we're in completely unprecedented territory. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, they yeah, they didn't really have a swift system at that time. So it was I mean, it was a different world in a lot of different ways. But yes, there was the, the Bank for International Settlements, which was, of course, working with the Germans and uh, actively had Germans working in their offices at that time during the war. Uh, that was a big part of actually the World War Two story that I think needs a lot of exploration and further elaboration, which I hope to do in the near future. Oh. But anyway, <laughs> but, but, uh, but the, you're right. I mean, it, it, this really is unprecedented what we're seeing right now with regards to, I mean, uh, uh, Iran, for example, was sanctioned off of SWIFT um, several years ago. So there, there is some sort of precedent for it. But 
the nature and the scale and the scope of what's just happened is really incredible. And I think is going to definitely um, foreshorten the, 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 the headlong rush towards some new monetary paradigm. I think I, I, obviously Bretton Woods actually started to fall apart in the 1960s. You could say that the, the depegging of the dollar from gold in 1970, the closing of the gold window could have been the end of that system. But of course, the dollar did not lose its hegemony. Uh, it, it has continued for, for decades. But what has just happened has really, I think, opened Pandora's box into a new system. And I think that probably is, uh, I mean, that wasn't unintentional. Let's put it that way. I, I think part of what we are living through right now really is a changeover in monetary paradigm fundamentally. And all of the geopolitics and even COVID and all of this nonsense is sort of the, the window dressing and the narrative that goes along with that. So, yes, I mean, so 1971 was really the birth of the petrodollar, wasn't it? Um, that, that, that was the effective, the, the newish currency. And I think you're right that we are ending the hegemony of the petrodollar. Um, and it's, I mean, from a normie perspective, it looks like a completely unforced error, doesn't it? By by delisting Russia, for example, um, what Joe Biden has done is effectively declared to the world, look, your reasons for trading in in dollars have just diminished because the one thing that you used to be able to say about about the the Western financial system is that it's that it's it's reasonably fair relative you know you don't you don't want to be trading in yuan or rubles because those are crazy crazy countries but you can trust us we're we're america we're the land of the free that that argument is now over and i would have thought certainly yes yeah 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 and And, and as you say it seems from the outside perspective completely unforced error what was the point of this but as actually and of course what is the immediate effect of this that now everybody is noting is that of course this drives russia into china's arms and so now essentially it's consolidating the the axis of evil or whatever it's going to be framed of as in the next coming war and in fact this is something that i've been talking about for many years now i've been talking about the engineered death of the dollar and the uh, engineered death of the the west or or whatever way you want to frame it um by essentially creating a new enemy block and specifically driving russia and china together which is uh, such an odd odd thing to do again if you were thinking of, of it in a strategic sense i mean what has america in the era of pax americana always sought to do is always peel off um potential uh, uh, rivals from each other so that they can never form some actual coherent base. So, for example, of course, they tried to peel China off from Russia and 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 get that Sino-Soviet split even further in the 1970s by normalizing relations with China. That was, of course, part of, you know, Kissinger slash Rockefeller's real matrix of control that they were setting up for that era. So what's the point of actually driving your enemies together to actually make them into some sort of greater enemy? It doesn't make sense if you are thinking of this from a nation state perspective. Oh, this is about the aggrandizement of the United States of America in particular. But I think you and I know this is about a much bigger agenda, a literally, truly global agenda. It is extraordinary. And we'll go into that in in more details. But but you're right. It it is so bizarre that Russia has is it the second best equipped military in the world? I think. I mean, the, the, 
Putin's been rearming over a, over a long period. You'd have thought, just from a, an ordinary Joe's perspective, that the very last thing you want is for your government and my government and uh, you know, everyone's government picking a fight over something as completely not in our interests as Ukraine. I mean, who gives a toss about Ukraine? I mean, I mean even if you were a normie for, for, for a moment and you just thought, yeah, it was, a, it was a, as my friend Toby Young keeps saying, oh, it's, a, it's a, an independent sovereign state, you know, and <laughs> even if you thought that, the rationale for going to war in defense of that country is pretty much non-existent. Um, what- exactly right. And we could we could say like some people do. Oh, they're just cynically. Oh, they're just trying to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian. Right. Ha ha ha. But even that doesn't make sense, because essentially, as you're starting to extend the at least the prospect of the NATO umbrella to Ukraine and it's at the doorstep of Ukraine anyway. I mean, are are, is anyone seriously proposing that we launch nukes and go to DEFCON one and launch World War three over Lithuania? Really? Is that really going to happen? I don't think that is going to happen. But actually, if it's part of the calculus, maybe it is going to happen. Yeah, 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 exactly. What? So bigger picture, what if we're talking about the. I, I, I'm, I, I know that Catherine Austin Fitz calls him Mr. Global and um, I, I used to call them the cabal, but now I, now I call them the, the predator class because it's kind of nice and neutral and yet, and yet it captures what they've been doing to us for millennia. The, what is the predator class's goal by driving Russia into the arms of China and possibly generating a nuclear war? Is it just the nuclear war as cover up for the ma- ma- massive financial fraud that's been going on or what? That could be certainly one part of it. I, I, I'm still not convinced they're going to go to a nuclear war. I think they just like having that specter hanging over our heads. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it is always a card up the sleeve that they could pull out if they truly desired it. I, I think the real, if there is a calculus to this, I think it's actually what some in the independent media, quote unquote, would, would hail as the great thing that can come from this conflict. We're going to have a multipolar world. It's going to it's going to look differently. An American hegemon over the world is gone, and now we've got these other actors coming up. I think that might be part of the plan for this coming system, and specifically in line with UN Agenda 2030 and the Sustainable De- Development Goals and the Great Reset and the Great Narrative, is to create a multipolar world that in which yes, there will be a seat at the table for. For, for everyone, everyone can have a seat at the table of power and control. Of course, the predator class will continue to be the heads of that table, obviously, and will yeah. continue to rule it. But it will it will seem nice and fuzzy to certain people in certain things. There, there may be uh, regional blocks that form. Yeah. Um, but I, I always think of it in terms of 1984, Oceania, East Asia, Eurasia. Who are we at war with this week? Does it matter? The bombs are dropping on our heads. They tell us it's the enemy. Okay. I envision that as as maybe the perfect system of control, a much better system of control, really, than having a single unitary hegemon over the entire world. Uh, I don't think that's realistic in terms of being able to control, truly control the global system um, that way. I think it's much easier if you have multipolar blocks of uh, power, which seem to be pitted against each other, but being predators, they're all after the same thing. They're all going to lick their chops when they see the real dinner on the plate, which is us. 
Yes, we, we think as one on this, James, as we do on, on so many issues, I, 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 the, the Orwell came to my mind too, that on, on a, a microcosmic um, scale, you only have to look at um, the way that we've been brainwashed over, over the Ukraine. Look, look how it's being used as a distraction from all these all the stuff that's coming out about, about the vaccines and so, and so on. And, yeah. and so yes, if absolutely. you've got this constant situation a, a bit like we had during the cold war i mean i, I remember as a young man um it, it, thinking constantly about the possibility of nuclear annihilation and i and i really did imagine you know when i was at school i used to have fantasies about having a uh, a, a, a harrier jump jet parked down the road and i had you know i was a i was a schoolboy pilot and i would be taking on the russians and you know there were films like red door and stuff and that was that was the the, the story back and i think now um this 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 new this new beast the kind of the dragon bear that that has emerged that they've that, that they've, they've created mm-hmm. accidentally on purpose i think is is absolutely right Do, um I always like to try and find cause for optimism, if there is any, because otherwise, you know, we'd all be very sad. We don't want to be sad. Um, we've got to be happy, uh, happy warriors. Um, what do you think? Uh, what's 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 making you happy at the moment? All right, let me frame it this way, because I guess I wear a number of hats, and fundamentally, I like to think I'm a journalist slash teacher slash researcher, something along those lines. And in that sense, I like to think of myself as being a neutral observer of reality. And from that perspective, hopefully have enough understanding to be able to see what's coming next and where it's going. But obviously there's also a sort of activist side. I certainly have my own side on this. I don't want to be prey to the predators. I want free humanity to rise up and sure. get rid of these shackles that have been you placed selfish, around us for millennia. You selfish person. What you're thinking about is the individual. <laughs> I, pro- that's I'm a thought criminal. I will definitely be turned off uh, once uh, they get that so the CBDC system in place. Um, from that perspective, I guess one of the goals of what I do for the past 15 years has been to raise awareness of these issues yeah. so that at the very least, humanity won't be taken blind, blindsided by this incredible headlong rush towards global governmental structure of some sort. Um, so in that, per- from that perspective, I would say the past two years has been phenomenal in terms of getting new people to understand this in a new way. And I, I tell you, I hear every single day from someone somewhere in the world who said, you know, I, I had no idea any of this was going on. I fell down the rabbit hole during COVID and now here I am and everything's different. And the guy that was trying to tell me this for the past 10 years and was sending me all the links to your site and I would always dismiss him because you're a conspiracy theorist. Now I understand and I'm trying to share it with my family. I hear that every day. So there is a mass awakening that is happening right now that they're not going to tell you about on the evening news. Yes, yes. Are you seeing that in your traffic? I mean, I'm rubbish at monitoring my traffic, but yeah. I, I don't place any trackers on my site or any sort of statistics. I don't trust the statistics anyway. Uh, I only occasionally look at numbers on various social media. I do go by um, the, res- the feedback and response I get. And I can tell you that during the headlong rush of the first blush of COVID, um, I, uh, it just exploded. And I, I was getting 
all sorts of people emailing me every day and new people finding my site. So that was a huge, huge, huge increase in my in listenership. But then obviously I got taken off of YouTube last year and obviously that has hindered my ability to reach out to the masses. Having said that, um, I do still, I'm still growing every single day, getting new subscribers and new people. So I, I'm still managing to reach out somehow. And I think people, part of that awakening is people realizing just how bad the censorship situation is. And more people are starting to eke out of that YouTube umbrella, that safe internet space and starting to look at, you know, naughty no-no information and the other parts of the web. So some people are still finding me. Um, but I, I think my ability to reach out widely has been hindered over yeah, the past yeah, yeah, I think we're all, we're all, all feeling that slightly. And we, we've got this thing, I don't know whether you've noticed this thing in the UK called the Online Harms Bill, which mm. is the kind of, of, of censorship you would expect in a, a totalitarian state. It's, it's extraordinary. Um, and what's also extraordinary and, 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 and slightly disappointing, despite what you've just said about the, the growing growing awareness um is that there's so little resistance to it people are people are still so busy going mariupol i've just seen a video of, of, of a theater um and uh, you know mm. so i don't need to think about what's going on in my own country i've just got to think of this far-off country of, about which i know very little um yeah so, so it is the, the the tentacles of censorship are, are tightening their grip by the way but before before we started this um this podcast i listened to this um tinfoil hat crazy with a, with a beard um, from uh, Japan <laughs> talking about talking about Bitcoin and I I, I, I saw your your um, I saw I saw that the headline was the Bitcoin trap and I thought oh no he's gonna explain to us that Bitcoin is just this gigantic trap designed to lure people like us into digital currency and then kill us all or, or, or steal all our money. <laughs> so I was very relieved to see that you, you, you seem to be pretty pro cryptos as, as, an, as, a, as mm. one option among many. I, as one option among many, yes, that's a good way of putting it. I wouldn't say I'm I'm pro crypto. I'm not a crypto booster and I'm not trying to get people into crypto, but yeah. I think as uh, for me, it is truly important to keep coming back to the baseline of understanding just how dire the straits we are in is right now. We are in incredible, uh, very, very dangerous times. And again, what just happened in Canada with people literally having their bank accounts frozen for the thought crime of supporting the wrong political protest is absolutely remarkable and should wake people up to the fact that we don't have the time and luxury to debate how many angels are dancing on the head of that pin. We need to do something to really make sure that we have ability to trade with other people when they shut that, shut off the switch, whatever that may be. So I'm all for trying absolutely everything, throwing everything at the wall, finding what sticks. And that'll be different for different people in different situations and again, people tend to think of it always as coming down to the, the one thing. You can only trade in one thing. So pick wisely, because if you pick the wrong, why? Why do people limit themselves like this? No, try try this, try that. Do If it works in this situation, maybe it won't work in that situation, but try everything. So yes, crypto is one thing that we can be using. And as someone who has been using it for a decade, I can tell you that during that decade, 
I've at least been able to use it. And I've been hearing throughout that decade, but what if they turn off the meter? What if you can't? Well, okay, I'll deal with that when it comes yeah. to it. But for the past decade, I've actually been using it in my real life. Yes. And and if and when we go on holiday to El Salvador, we're going to have a great time. Spe- finally be able <laughs> to spend our BTC, mm. which is which is really good. Now, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm not a kind of crypto evangelist, um, but I do think that everyone should have a bit of crypto. Uh, firstly, for FOMO reasons, um, because it, it's it's really kind of frustrating if you see this thing going through the roof and you haven't got any. But two, because you need a, a basket of currencies, if you like. You know, you need some you need some gold and silver. You need, I mean, it's still worth having some money in 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 stock markets, just because. I mean, I, I I'm I'm very mining shares. I think are, are very well priced at the moment. I think I think that. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't be in tech shares right now. Obviously, I, I say this as a, you know, I'm not, I'm not your financial advisor, but I think it, it's, it's fairly clear for people who watch shows like yours and mine, where you should be allocating your resources right now, and you've got to be prepared for every eventuality. I mean, on cryptos, yeah, um, I, I hear voices saying, "Don't go into Bitcoin or Ethereum; they're not safe. Uh, you've got to be in XRP." And uh, the other one, a bit like XRP. Well, I, I, that seems to be an argument for, for having having all of them, the, 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 uh, and, and because you just don't know, you nobody knows anything. Diversify, yeah. But yeah. okay, so here's here's what I would say to that. Um, yes, uh, I, someone asked me once, actually. Uh, I think when I was giving a talk in uh, the Netherlands, someone asked me. Uh, so what what should I be investing in, given given that you know about you know these events that are taking place and you can sort of see things that are coming? What should I be investing in to make some money off of this? And I I, I racked my brain because I never really thought in those terms. And I said, well, if you just want to make money, just you know buy stocks in Lockheed Martin or what have you. I mean, that's that's you'll be don't worry, they're not going out of business. You're going to make lots of money, but that obviously isn't my concern. Just making dollars in this rigged system um what this has to be about is again survival and ultimately thriving in an alternate system so how do we start doing that obviously not by investing in lockheed martin right that's not going to give us something different so um from that perspective when it comes to something like crypto and you're there's a billion different coins which one am i going to be you know what, what, what do i want it, it has to be about the the idea behind that coin what is the project who is behind it what are they attempting to do how does it work like what is the what is what is different about this particular coin than from that coin and what do you want to bring about and that i, I think that should be the metric for whatever you're investing in in whatever way you want to think about investing i mean planting a tree is an investment in the future um, and everything we do is an investment in the future in a certain sense. So what, what do you want to bring about in the world and then start investing in those things, whether you think you're going to make oodles of money doing that, or whether you're going to bring about the world that you want is really the question you have to ask yourself before you start getting into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. We have to ask ourselves, what kind of world do we want to, to live in? when when we get through this because um i mean i've i sometimes have rows with with well not not rows but but some of my some of my followers get irritated by the fact that i go fox hunting and i i I talk about it because what i want people to understand 
is that all the things like the animal rights movement, um, uh, all the all the all all the, the movements designed to cause us to question gender and and and, and to to want men competing in swimming races and all this stuff all this stuff is actually designed to unsettle us divide us to create divisions where, where there should be none i mean it's absolutely right that people should be free to, to to pursue activities that don't harm other people and you know we all have different different needs and i, I don't like the sort of the, the well you 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 see what's going on now with, with with ukraine the way that it is being used to drive a wedge between even even people who were absolutely bang on the money throughout the 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 the, the last two years on on COVID have suddenly gone oh yeah I'm going to trust the media totally on on Ukraine and it's it's bizarre. <laughs> Have you have you seen that? Because I actually haven't seen that. I definitely saw people who I could listen to on a number of subjects who were very wrong about COVID. But I don't think I've seen anyone who was right about COVID who's very wrong about Ukraine. I'm sure they're out there. I've seen I've seen a bit of that. I actually I I I, I think about the, the 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 people who are you know there there aren't many of us. I have to say in 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 the UK and I'm sure it's the same way where where you are. There's 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 very few. Um, I don't think I've, well, yeah, you see it, you see it. I mean, not my Twitter feed counts, but you see it occasionally. You get people sort of making, making snarky comments and you're thinking it's a bit like, it's a bit like somebody who's been, um, abused by their, by their partner for, and, 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 and suddenly they go, yeah, but, but I love him and, and, and I trust what he says. And you're thinking, well, well, hang on a second. He's been beating you up for the last for the last two years what 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 is it that's changed about him that means you can trust him on this particular matter i find it interesting and somewhat disturbing i guess that people can get their identity so wrapped up in the latest fad just on the say so of the media hey now look over here and now your identity is waving yellow and blue flags yeah like funny, what funny what just it. happened like how did that happen and why is this now the center the core of your being for the next month and then you'll go on to the next thing just like the core of your being must have been oh libya back in 2011 until they got gaddafi and then pff, to hell with libya who cares ukraine will be the libya of the future Unless it becomes the Afghanistan of the future, which is definitely one way that this can play out. Um, uh, Whitney Webb and others have been doing excellent work on documenting the rise of and the the, the in, it, again, this isn't even, you know, a conspiracy theorist talking about it. it's Hillary Clinton and others talking about using the Afghan strategy where, you know, we remember where we funded all of those uh, those Taliban against the, in their fight against the Soviets. Well, we want to do that kind of fund the insurgency. And now it's these, you know, well, there's a lot of neo-Nazis and white supremacists, whatever, who cares? Well, but, and of course, what is that going to do? That's going to blow back, blow back, because that implies we couldn't have seen it coming. Blow yeah. back on the West, ultimately with, the, oh, look at all these white supremacist groups that are springing up. That is definitely one way that this can play out. And just like people pretended to care about Afghanistan, I guess, in the early 1980s, suddenly people, you know, yay, I'm Afghan, yay, go Afghan. They're our pri they're, they're great freedom warriors. And then enough time goes by that you forget and suddenly, you know, planes are flying into towers and what, what just happened? Oh, I guess we got a new enemy now. I wonder where they came from. 
I don't really saw that thing about about the um, the Ukrainian military person um, boasting about castrating um, Russian uh, Russian prisoners, Russian POWs. Um, I, I I I don't know whether it's whether it's been confirmed or not. I mean, how does one know in this in this wall of mirrors? But it's it's extraordinary how we're 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 turning a blind eye to this kind of stuff. I mean, it's it. it you know, I think we ought to be a bit more careful about the, the, the people we're teaming up with, let's say. Yeah, you, you think, you'd think after, oh, I don't know, half a century of consistently going in and funding various insurgents and having it blow back. Wow, who could have seen that coming? You'd think they'd get the get the idea. Oh, unless that is the point, right? Yeah, on that note, I just saw apparently there's this new trend that's happening in Ukraine right now of tying people up to trees, stripping them naked and flogging them. And this is all over social media and there's all sorts of different, you know, videos of this going on, but they're completely contextless. And I, I mean, there's just no way to know what is happening and who is doing this, like, what is this about and why did this happen and where, but it's definitely happening and there's a bunch of videos about it, but yeah. it's, this is, this is the war state that we're in right now where yeah, we get all this information, we get all this data, and it's, I mean, unless they're deep faking the videos, which will will be coming in the future, yeah. maybe it's here already, but at any rate, it seems like something's happening, but I don't know what, and I don't have the context for it, and there will be narratives that will be fed to me about it, but who do I, how do I know what to believe? And again, why, why is it my concern, my concern as a Canadian living in Japan why am I the one that has to, you know, decide and and verify and adjudicate on things that are happening half a world away that I have no direct connection to whatsoever? Yeah, I I, I was I was out, out riding the other day, and um, the, the the woman who leads us around around her, her, her farm, you know, um, sort of a troop of horses. Um, she said, "You've got to be careful here." And I said, "What?" And she said, the horses get disturbed, uh, and she pointed, and there fluttering over this the, these buildings was this blue and yellow f flag and you're thinking you couldn't have put ukraine on a map a month ago and suddenly here you are flying this this flag i think it's a bit like it's a bit like football um or you know or american football whatever whatever australian rules football whatever country country you're in Baseball i'm canadian so it's hard sorry Oh, right. Yeah. OK. Baseball in Japan. But I'm yeah, Canadian, yeah. so I think of hockey. Oh, I, of course you do. Of course you think of ice hockey. But <laughs> I, I remember looking back to, to when I was when I was a, a, a very different, had a very different political out outlook. I remember the second Gulf War and being drawn into every last detail about the embedded troops, about, about the, you know, the fight to take back Fallujah and all these fantastically involved, involving stories about the US Marines going into these, these buildings which had been wired for demolition and, and you know, how, how could they possibly defeat this evil, evil enemy? And, and you just got really involved in the tactics and I read religiously Andrew Sullivan. Andrew Sullivan would write about it. And he he would give me the the latest, you know, informed take on this. And and every day the the papers will be full of this stuff. And it and it's like that now. I think people, the media certainly is attracted to this, and the readership and audiences are attracted to this thing. It's 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 simple. You you know you're rooting for a team, and you know where you are, and you've got certainty in your life again after two two years of uncertainty. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's. 
there's a number of ways in which that analogy works. I mean, there's the, the sort of tribal element to it, my team versus your team. But there's also, as you say, it's it becomes a sort of communal event that you can sort of structure your life around and your identity. And you there's there's definitely something deeper that on in the psychological sense that happens certainly in times of war, obviously in times of war, but around any traumatic event. I mean, like a COVID, you know, it brought everyone together and you were in it together and all of that kind of camaraderie, which people are looking for on a deep level. And they find it through events like this because the media is telling them to yeah. find that meaning. People are actually starting to be, in, in much the same way. I mean, this was, this was of course, why why football became so big because because ultimately the the predator class saw that this was this was bread and circuses to distract people from from their own lives and enable them to live vicariously through their heroes and this is exactly what's going on now with ukraine you've got people saying really horrifying embarrassing disgusting things sort of really rejoicing in the killing and the weaponry and and loving the idea that that were really respectable figures gloating over the fact that British made weaponry is, is being used to tear people to shreds and, and, and not being embarrassed about it. They're, they're hot for war. Yeah. And I guess that shouldn't be surprising at this point. Um, what is surprising to me is people who have pretended to be anti-war to some extent who uh, still get caught up in this on one side or the other. Because there are also those in the independent media who think, you know, Putin standing up for Russia, yay, you know, go in, guns blazing. And yeah. you get the exact same sort of cheerleading, but just from the other side, just in a contrarian move or people being paid for, to take certain sides. I don't know. But at any rate, you see that in uh, certain sectors of the independent media. And no, I'm genuinely anti-war. I don't think this is a good, I don't even think strategically it's a good thing. I can understand from a rational perspective the Russian position in this, yeah. but I don't think that excuses what is happening right now. Oh, I think I'm probably harder core than you on that one, actually. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not remotely hot for war, and I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking Putin's the greatest. I just think that the people he's up against are actually really, really quite evil. So it's a question of bad versus really, really. Well, really bad. I would disagree with up against, up with. Oh, I see. Well, he's part oh, of the predator class. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's this. You see, this is the thing, isn't it? When we, those of us who are of of this persuasion, we're constantly, you know, is Trump a white hat, or is he just part of? You know, no president becomes becomes president without the say so of the of the central bankers, and and the vaccines and, are the greatest accomplishment in history, and they happen because of me and warp, Operation Warp Speed. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yay. yeah, yeah. He it, saved us all. <laughs> it, yeah, you're. You, you, I mean, you're probably right. It is. It is all. Or, 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 or theatre. One of the things that always always worries me. I mean, like you know, I I, I can listen to your stuff straight now, and not and not be sitting there going, "This guy is a bit out there." Um, he's you know, what are these crazy facts he's, he's imposing on me? But you you know, actually, sorry to interrupt, but that is actually the feedback that probably is the 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 sort of brightest light in all of the uh, the feedback that I've had over the past couple of years, people waking up, me discovering, oh, James Dillingpole <laughs> can actually listen to this kind of stuff. Great. But, <laughs> you know, but you know, James, the weird thing is, I was I was almost there, wasn't I? I mean, because you, you, you've been following my climate stuff. 
And yeah, I, exactly. I, I can ask once the question. You get the, once you really get the climate thing, I mean, you're you're halfway there. Yeah. It's pretty, it's just another step. I, I just hadn't, I, I hadn't put all the pieces together. And, and, and now that I have, I mean, I don't, I don't get the, 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 the psychology which says I'd rather not know. I'd rather just keep taking the blue pill and live in my world of, of, of real steak rather than synth steak designed to look like steak. And no, I'd rather, I'd rather know what's I going could, on. I could understand the sort of, Oh, I, you know, I just don't want to worry about it, but it would be worse. It would be so much worse to not to really just go along with everything, to not understand what's happening, to just be led along by the nose your entire life. Ugh. But okay. So you think that, um, you know, we're both encouraged by the fact that more people are waking up, which is obviously a good thing, but it ain't enough, is it? I mean, what, what is there anything else that, you, how, how, what can we do apart from, apart from cash? Uh, what, yeah. Well, that's one part of what we need to do. We need to create the parallel society. Yeah. Stop me. If you've heard this before, I talk about it a lot and there's a lot of different aspects to that. Obviously talking about currencies and, what currency should we be using in our community is one aspect of building that parallel parallel economy, which ultimately grounds a parallel society. And that has to be built up um, so that, I mean, people, I think, get their fundamental narrative about how to defeat the enemy from, you know, Hollywood conditioning. You know, you watch Red Dawn and you, you suddenly, you're a schoolboy who wants to get in the jump jet and go fight the Russians, right? This is how we win. We're going to shoot them down and kill yeah, them. Yeah. And of course, what is every, what is every narrative we're given since we're child? You got to, you got to slay the dragon. You got to chop off the head of the beast or you got to kill your enemy and then everything's better. Um, I always think of Tron, the end of Tron, where they kill the evil master control program and suddenly everything turns from red to blue and it's, you know, that's that's the image. Everything will just magically yeah, let's, let's great kill the once boss. we kill the enemy. But of course, but fundamentally, that is a lie. And uh, uh, what we uh, the only strategy, if we're going to strategize about this, that can possibly work is not to spend our time, energy and effort fighting against the they them those. If we spend all of our time and energy directed against them, that's what they want. That's what they're expecting. They know how to deal with that. Yeah. What we need to do is spend all of that time, energy, and attention, or at least 99% of it, in building up what we want so that we can create the thing which will attract other people. If we can create a system in which we are free and thriving, that will be the beacon that will attract other people. We don't have to you know, we don't, there's no evangelizing needed. Just living that life will be the evangelism. And whenever I talk about this, of course, there will be someone to say, but don't you think they'll just come after you if you build a parallel? Yes, of course they will come after you. And that's, that's where you have to defend yourself. And it will be a fight. And I can't guarantee you can win that fight. But I can guarantee you what happens if you don't try to build up that parallel society, you will be enslaved. There is, there is no halfway about this. We need to do this. So I, I guess you could just sit there and play tiddlywinks until it all happens if you really think it's inevitable. But I, I, I think I'll give this parallel society thing a try. No, I think you're right. I, and I, 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 I've mentioned this before. It, it's the Václav Havel thing, isn't it? I think it's what he said about sort of prior to the Velvet Revolution or what it was that brought about, brought about the Velvet Revolution in, in 
in um, Czechoslovakia was essentially not so much the overtly political groups, which were instantly a target for the government to clamp down on, but people just living their lives. I mean, you know, my fox hunting thing is just a tiny version of that. I use it for my outreach because when you're hanging around waiting for the waiting for the hounds to move off again you have these conversations with people and you ha- you 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 you're chugging a drink and you're having a you're having a fag or you are in my case because uh, obviously you know hunting so dangerous it cancels out the effects of the dangers of cigarettes which is great um and you can talk to people about things and i've been telling them about what's going on knowing that i've got a captive audience and knowing that they're not in a position to be able to look at me and go you're a crazy. You're you're an outcast because everyone who everyone who goes hunting is to a, to a degree an outcast. But it's it's a it is a discreet um, CRET commu- community um, with its own traditional values. I think what we're really trying to tradition is so important because tradition are things that we have liked which have been sanctioned over time, tried and tested. People, people enjoy them. They have meaning. They're rooted in our past. And therefore, they bind the past with the present. They bind communities. This is what we should be doing in every, every respect. Uh, I'm totally with you on that. It's so important. It also has the advantage of giving us joy. Of, 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 I, 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 don't like, I don't like it when people say, oh, I'm feeling so, so depressed today. We've got nothing to look forward to. Yes, we have. We, we live our lives as we want to live them, not as they want to li- us to live them. So true. A couple of things come to mind at this point, one of which is, of course, the question of, well, what does that parallel society look like and how does it function? And something that's on my mind, because I am currently reading uh, the, the Lord of the Rings with my eight-year-old boy, and... I'm just I, I'm actually reading it for the first time, I must admit. I haven't read it before. So um, actually into the two towers and reading about the the strategy and why this will work is because, of course, the Dark Lord is expecting them to come with the ring to come and challenge him and fight him with that power yes. of the ring. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to take the humblest person to go in and throw it in the lake of fire so it will never be used by anyone ever again he's not expecting that that would be unthinkable to the dark lord that to me speaks to a more uh, a more apt narrative for what we need to do which is to throw that ring of power in the fire do not put it on oh i can use it oh we if we can just take that power for ourselves and we can smite our enemies and we'll be the good guys <laughs> does not work that way i think tolkien had it spot on so that would be a counter narrative to the you know the rambo hero narrative that most people grow up on that i think speaks more to what we're really facing and you know what else it means it means that actually our, our future lies in the bucolic innocence of the shire which I, 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 I'm, I'd be very happy living in the Shire. I think it's really all right. Really a nice mm-hmm. place. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, this is it's such a powerful story and it speaks to so much to the, the time that we're living in. Um, there was a second thing that I was thinking as you were speaking, but it's completely gone now. So I'll have uh, to. maybe we'll come back to it. I just wanted to, because um, hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm slightly more on a, on the, the spiritual level than you are. And I think what's going on can be analyzed on any number of levels. But I do believe that people like Tolkien were sent by, by God, if you like, to 
in, in the same way that Shakespeare was, I think, to enlighten us. I, I think throughout history, we've had people on our side to point us, to, to show us truths through art and to, and to help us, to help us make sense of the world. Mm, I agree. Do you, Tolkien, do you believe Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare, though? That's the question. <laughs> oh, would, I, I, I don't think it matters who, who he was, you know, whether he was... The, whether he was the I know what you're saying. I just yeah, thought yeah. I'd throw that in. Yeah, well, but well, no, we, I, I, think, I think you are right that, uh, I, I mean, again, reading through this, and I, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm reading this story, this is worth a million Corbett reports. You know what I mean? This is something that is that gets embedded in the human psyche and will be passed on from generation to generation for many generations. And that those core truths that you can get at through a powerful story like that, I mean, that's that's where it's at. Do you know what? I think we may just have put our finger on on why um, Amazon's new adaptation of Lord of the Rings is going to be so shit. Because because the 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 the, the predator class is looking at this at this key text of enlightenment, and they're thinking, how can we shitify it to make sure that that, that yeah. people are distracted yeah, by the, probably. the irksome diversity casting and the, and the, the general crapness, rather than understanding the core message, which 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 survived the Peter Jackson films at least. The, the, mm, you remember yeah. that that the, the, the best line in, in in Lord of the Rings is is when Frodo says to Gandalf, you know, I wish I didn't live in these times. And Gandalf says wisely, you know, that you you have to you live in the times you live in, and you, and 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 you've got your duty. It, it's so how I felt in the last mm. two years since yeah. I became yeah. aware awake, and I'm I'm sure it's how yeah. you must have felt that we we've got a mission. Yeah. And yeah, since I, since I started doing my work in 2007, I've often thought to myself, I wonder what I would have been doing if I had been, if I had lived through 9-11 with my Corbett report, you know, what, how would I have covered that? What would I have been like? Well, I think I've just seen, I just had the experience of living through the, you know, the next iteration of a 9-11. And so, I, yeah, it's one of those things where I, of course, I don't feel like I'm up to the task of covering all of this craziness. I, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming. It's incredible that th these things are happening and that there are tens of thousands of people at any rate who are listening to me on a daily basis about these things. It's an incredible responsibility. I take it very seriously. And I, I, you will absolutely. And you do a stand up. Look, I mean, as I mentioned before, you're so much more, I, I'm, I'm, I like doing the comedy in the big picture and, and, you know, that's my, that's my shtick. You are, you go into the details about the history of, of, of the Rockefellers and the, I mean, did, actually, can I ask you, but I just, just, I, I hadn't planned to ask you about this, but it's just something that the thought was cropped, cropped in my head, but the, the mention of the name Rockefeller. Um, J.D. Rockefeller, the, 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 he was the, the father of the empire, wasn't he? I mean, where did he come from? Where do these, these kind of creatures come from? The, the, the... <laughs> you don't know about his father? No, I don't. Tell me. Tell me. So uh, his, uh, John D. Rockefeller's father was, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name. Oh, doc, Dr. Bill Livingston? <laughs> A literal snake oil salesman he literally went from town to town selling snake oil um which he called rock oil and uh for rockefeller i guess but he went by the name dr dr bill livingston i think or something along those lines uh, because he was a bigamist and uh i think had a child by a third woman and was being run out of town and wanted 
you know, dead by many people. Um, so that was really the progenitor of the Rockefeller family, if you go okay. far enough back. Um, so that, because, so, so, I mean, there are endless side tunnels down, down the rabbit hole. But I, 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 I'm, I'm quite inclined towards the bloodline theory that, you know, there's something like 13, 13 families which historically have controlled the world. And, you know, one of them is the Windsors and one of them, you know, the, the, you get the, the Bushes, for example, are part of that, that, that dynasty and so on. But where do kind of newcomers come from? I mean, OK, so, so Rockefeller's father was a, a snake oil salesman what did his father do i mean were they part of a bloodline or, or do they do they just emerge out of out of nowhere same same with with the sacklers for example that when i was reading a book about the sacklers and, and about their in in how they enrich themselves hideously with with these destructive destructive drugs and so on but if if you go back can you can you find they all they all they all um uh their roots to some some sort of uh predator class that they're all they're all part of the same thing or not or, or do, do sometimes you get these random characters thrown up by by breeding right it, it wouldn't surprise me if it does function in some bloodline way um but uh, and i can't verify whether that it does or does not but i can say that um there does seem to be families that come up that were not part of whatever, you know, a hereditary ruling class that's, that become part of that, or at right. least of uh, important members of, of the, the super class clique, um, like the Rockefellers who came out of nowhere, but then became what they became. And I, again, all I can do is speculate. I'm not, I'm not part of the inner club, sorry. So I don't know. No. Uh, but I would assume that probably what, these people do is look for the brightest and young promising people who are clearly able to clearly have some abilities they're not i mean they're looking for people who have some some spark are able to to do things yes. and accomplish things and probably like when they test the you know people for special forces and they give them tests about ethics and other things you know would you ever like in the CIA, uh, which book was I reading? Um, this, uh, no, uh, the Watchdogs. Watchdogs didn't bark um, by Novoselsky and uh, Duffy, and it's about nine eleven. And part of that, they're talking about um, the recruitment process for the CIA, and they were talking to uh, I can't remember um, which CIA agents they were talking to, but they were talking about the recruitment process where they're asking you questions like you know, would you break into someone's house in order to steal something for the government if, you know, blah, 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 and pu putting these imaginary situations in. And of course, they, they might frame it as in, you know, oh, of course, oh, you wouldn't do that because you're a good person. Oh, good. You know, yeah. but the person who says, yes, I would do that is the one that gets promoted and put into special positions because they yeah. have demonstrated that they have those ethics. Yes. Absolutely, that they select for psychopathy. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that five-hour Kay Griggs interview about the, you know, the, the woman who was raised in Virginia uh, in a sort of U.S. Navy community, and she ended right. up marrying. A, I haven't a, seen the whole interview, no. but she 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 ended up marrying a, a guy who turned out to be, you know, he, he looked like an upstanding Marine. He was actually a part of a killer squad, and they'd been selected for people who, who'd had childhoods where they'd sort of either lost their parents, and so they they. 
the military or, or, or the elite schooling they've been through had paid for by the military, that's where their loyalty lay. Often it's involved with kind of uh, homosexuality and it's designed to, to deracinate themselves, them from the mainstream culture and render them much more malleable. And I'm sure that in the same way that the, the predator class selects for psychopathy. I was thinking about this. We can look at specific examples. So for example, I mean, Rockefeller, um, the Rockefeller family, it wasn't David Rockefeller, I believe it was uh, Nelson who uh, initially identified and groomed Henry Kissinger. Oh, uh, was it? A, and then, and then uh, so Henry, I think, started in the orbit of Nelson and then became in the orbit of David. And then Henry Kissinger goes on to groom and steward over a young Klaus Schwab, who then gets Klaus, uh, Henry Kissinger to be one of the you know, early attendees and speakers at the European Management Forum that becomes the World Economic Forum to yeah. give that clout to this new venture over in Europe. Uh, there's definitely, you, know, you can paint specific chains of connections between these people. Hmm. I think it, it's becoming increasingly clear that so many roads lead to Henry Kissinger, who is He's like the conciliary, the bagman of the, the cabal, I'd say, of the, of the predator class. Um, personal, longtime friend of Vladimir Putin meets on, uh, personally on many occasions, have met in each other's homes and call each other old friend, and they discuss politics a lot. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Interesting. But Putin's the enemy, man. He's really fighting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I think of, of, of people like... The, Kissinger obviously wasn't born into the bloodline, I don't think, was he? Don't I think, think so. No. I think he's a bit like a sort of a, a sort of capo in, in a in, in a concentration camp. He's 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 kind of he does his master's master's bidding and he gets special yeah. privileges. I think I think all the people that we're seeing at our level are those types of serviceable gophers, but ultimately dispensable. I, yes. I, I mean I don't think we're seeing the, you know the actual bloodline families. No, we know. I mean, isn't 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 this weird that doing what we do and we can we can talk about we know that everything we see is is an illusion created by this this predator class, but the illusion is so powerful that we're not we're not seeing we're only seeing this on the tip of the iceberg. Even the, even when we know what to look for, we know when we look past the past nine eleven and so on. Even then, we're not seeing the. I mean, the black nobility, for example. I mean, who knows who the black nobility are? What, what's that about? Who's the black pope? Yeah. Who's the gray pope? I don't know. Who, who are these people? Yeah. They're just like... Yeah, very true. And I, I've had that visceral, real sense come to me during certain times of, of research. Um, for example, I got deep into the Oklahoma City bombing and have done you know extensive um, uh, reports about it before. But there was a certain point at which I... Absolutely. 100%. There's no doubt at all that the story we fed, we were fed was a lot of cockamamie. And there's absolutely no doubt that the the feds, specifically the FBI were, and the ATF were involved in it in some capacity. And they were definitely performing. There, there was all sorts of connections. But I had the real sense after having spent so much time and so much thought into it, that I still I do not know exactly what that plot looked like and i couldn't i mean it would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall following 
McVeigh around as he's doing his little circuit and there's this bank robbing gang that's that he's tied up with with the on the patriot circuit with the white supremacists and the fbi are running it off and there's so much going on that i just thought you know it would be fascinating to see it and i bet you no matter what scenario i could come up with it would be different in some way i mean there'd be different parts of that plot and again it was actually through uh, uh literature that i came to a better understanding of that um it was uh James Elroy's American Tabloid, oh, yeah. um, which was an examination of the JFK assassination from the perspective of one of the bagmen who was not the one pulling the trigger, but just some like low level street level operative there in Washington who was part of this, you know, bigger, bigger plot. And it's such a such a good book for giving you that sense that of sort of what things look like on the ground level like that, where you, you see you, you know what you know. And you're in the plot for the reasons you're in the plot. Yes. But you don't know the bigger plot. And there's some, there's there's things happening that you kind of understand and you think, oh, but I didn't know that guy was related to that guy. And, and it, it just gives you that sense of how big these plots can be and how important it is for the person at the top who can see all of those different things. But at the lower levels, it's all compartmentalized. So you don't know what's happening, even as you kind of are doing part of the plot. Yeah, I'll tell you who's really good on this, who I think is another visionary sent to explain the world to us, and that's Dostoevsky. Um, I'm just reading the the Brothers Karamazov for the moment, and and um, it's a, I, I don't know whether you read it. It's it's it, it's about a guy who's a, a, accused of, of of murder, and did he do it or or, or, or didn't he? But what Dostoevsky is very very good at at capturing are the hypocrisies of the culture that, that how 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 people can be swayed by specious arguments how, how mm. just the, 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 there is no there is no justice and 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 everyone thinks they're really clever and informed but they're actually just really idiots they're dupes um that um what was i going to say to you um you know it, it sounds to me like uh, essentially the nietzschean mentality but people are sort of adopting it as oh you know the fashionable way to think and then the way that they can justify then whatever they're going to do and you know who was you know who took that Nietzschean mentality and tried to put it on on stage specifically as the great thing was George Bernard Shaw of course man and Superman and all of that who was a horrible he was very person. Nietzschean in his philosophy, but he was also not only a part of the Fabian Society, but a committed, avowed eugenicist who believed that there should be panels that that would preside over whether or not you should live or die. You should come before this panel and make your argument for why you should be continued allowed to continue to live. I, I That's think the it, mentality that I think Dostoevsky is pointing at and undermining. I, I think it may have been via you that I saw that that chilling footage of of. George Burns Shaw, and you're looking yeah. at this. Which, you're... whenever I play it, people will say, oh, Shaw, he was, you know, he's a satirist, he's just making fun. No, he really believed that. Yeah. Uh, he said it, uh, not specifically that, but he did talk about his eugenics beliefs on many occasions. That was not part of his shtick. I, I tell you what I'm, I'm finding um, um, increasingly difficult, and that is engaging with normies. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've had a few... I've had a few, every now and again, somebody comes on my podcast and I realize about 
two third, halfway through the interview that their <laughs> Weltanschauung is 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 in normie world. You know, people who believe that nine eleven was was plotted by a guy in the cave and that and that the moon landings were real and 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 stuff like this. And how do you? There's not much you can say to. How can you have a, a discussion with people who whose vision of the understanding of the world is 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 well, it's limited, frankly. Yeah, uh, I know. I know what you mean. But then again, if we can't, if we cannot have those kinds of conversations, then what what are we doing? And are are we are we boxing ourselves into a corner where we will only ever be able to communicate with people who already agree with and know what we know? We have to find a way to talk to and relate to people who do not believe what we believe. That has to be an incredibly important part of what we are doing now in building that parallel society. Because a lot of people in that parallel society won't be there for the same reasons that you are, and they won't believe the same things you will, but you will have to find a way to get along with them anyway. Uh, And when you really look at the 20,000 foot overview of humanity, um, you really, the, the markets that have arisen to essentially human interaction being regulated by people creating things and providing services for other people in order to get tokens that they can then use to buy the things that they need is on the macro level, that's, that's kind of the ideal way to run a society insofar as we have to produce something of value for the community to be valued by the community in order to get what we need. And that is a self-regulating, there doesn't need to be a ruler ruling over that process and telling everyone what to do because we know, yeah, I guess I can be an asshole to people and I can contribute nothing, but I will get nothing and I will starve. In order to be part of society, you have to provide something to society. And that's that's a good way of, of having society. And the better way is to not have the ruler and the, you know, the, the, the person who's trying to, you know, manage everyone. The, the best way is to allow people to develop naturally and do what they're going to do. Um, and unfortunately, somehow, although I think it still exists, I think it still exists in the marrow of our bones, that understanding. It is being drilled out of us by the predator class who of course wants just supplicants and sheep to who will not uh, who will expect everything to be provided for them yeah. uh, at no at no cost that is ultimately that is the 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 pen into which we are being herded in every possible way and that explains the everything from the cradle to the grave welfare state and that mentality that has been fostered in the population for the past century, that this is, this is the only way we could imagine society working and which will lead us into the UBI slash CBDC slash perfect prison of total control. Yeah. Where, uh, obviously one doesn't like to be put on the spot to make it, to, to make predictions because I, I think it's, it doesn't work anyway, but, but w- what's your sort of feeling on, on, you know, does this have a happy ending? Yes. When? <laughs> oh, I was hoping we could just end it there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, or, or just give, just give me give me uh, your reasons for why you think it has a happy ending. I mean, I'm 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 with you, but I'm interested to hear your take. Well, there are only two 
two possibilities and I don't like the other one. So I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not speaking from a position of knowledge. I am speaking from a position of aspiration. Aspirationally, yes, this does have a happy ending. And if we cannot believe that, if we can't envision that, then we will never get there. So if you're, if someone asks you that, does this have a happy ending? And your actual answer is no. All right, we'll go off into a corner and wait till you're dead. Yeah. Your answer has to be yes to that question. There has to be a happy ending, at least possible, at least some way you can envision and, or imagine that. If, if there isn't, then, then all hope is lost, you know. Don't drink yourself to death or whatever. I'm totally with you, James. Um, I, I've never, I think I went through my black pill phase for all of 30 seconds before I thought, well, I, I don't want to be here. What, what is the point? What is the point of being black pill? And it's, it's actually, it was a bit like, you know, are you familiar with Peter Hitchens? Um, Yes. Yeah. yeah. P- Peter Hitchens, who, who was fighting a very good fight in the early stages of the of the COVID wars, and then he announced that he he'd taken the vaccine and got stick for this, and and tried to make out that he was being blamed for taking the vaccine, I, the alleged vaccine, and I I was observing what was going on, and it wasn't because he'd taken the jab. You know that that's 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 his business. What people objected to was that Hitchens declared the war to have been lost. And all those of us who were still optimistically fighting the fight and giving our all, uh, suddenly one of our number was saying, yeah, we might as well give up guys. It's all over. The, the, the odds are so stacked against us. You know, we may as well surrender now. That is what I don't like. Uh, it, it, it's not helpful. It's disrespectful for those who are fighting the fight. And also it's, it's not good for your campaign strategy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess just fundamentally, I don't, I can't relate to that, that, that out, outlook, that attitude. I've never been someone who's just, uh, give up, you know, whatever. I, I've always been someone who's wanted to, to try to do something. Um, and I know I, I cannot guarantee it's going to work, but I know that I want to do that and I'm going to do that. And that at the very least, that gives my life meaning for me. The struggle itself is, something that actually gives my life meaning and purpose and directs me and motivates me. I have something to do, which is, I don't know, for my money, a better way to live life than just waiting in a corner, you know, waiting to die. Also, when you think about it, it's a lot easier doing what we do than say parachuting behind enemy lines and risking being tortured and, and, and shot. Um, Yep. I mean, we we do actually quite enjoy enjoy doing what we do. The fact that we're the fact that we're saving saving civilization at the same time, saying that saving the human race is just. Well, a- <laughs> I I don't know <laughs> if I'm saving civilization, but but uh, I I often have the thought if I had been born in any generation previous in my family tree, I would be you know down in the mines in Newcastle, <laughs> you know as a. 12 year old boy probably dying of lung cancer or something that would have been that would have been you i would not have had a happy existence what, what, why newcastle is that where your family is from uh, my my family's from my parents are from there yeah. what from from you know as in the northeast of england that 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 newcastle yeah, oh, yeah. wow yeah, there are geordies yeah, i don't i don't hear any geordie in your in your accent <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. I I can't even fake it, weirdly enough, but uh, I can understand it, which is something. It's a beautiful accent, the Geordie accent. I, I, I really like it. And, and there seems to be a lot of... <laughs> no, it is. It's lovely. And there seems to be a lot of wisdom there. Well, maybe maybe the, the slightly softer sort of Durham accent, I think, maybe is, is slightly nicer. I don't, I don't know. But but the, the, that seems to be one of the last the last strongholds of... Um, of, of of common sense up there anyway i've james i've so loved talking to you um please feel free to to plug all your 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 produce in this section tell me i will simply plug my website corbettreport.com um because that is the way to find me uh i i noted recently in an episode that i did on censorship that there are people Despite the many, 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 many warnings I gave that I was going to be taken off of YouTube, there are people who did not realize that and who now go to YouTube, type in Corbett Report, find a channel that calls itself the Corbett Report and has posted some of my videos, but is not me. And it hasn't posted any videos for several months. And so now those people believe they are subscribed to James Corbett and believe that I guess I just fell off the face of the earth or something. I wonder where he went. Oh, well. So... Do not rely on any third parties, social media, whatever. Go to people's websites and actually find them so that you can at least keep tabs on them. Anyway, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T report.com. Uh, that, that's great. You know, that's good advice, James, because I, I, I had a similar thing with, with I, I've still got sort of subscribers on my YouTube channel who say, you haven't posted anything in ages. Well, well guys... Maybe it's because my my things have been suspended, and that's why. But people get very complacent. They think once they've signed up to you, that that they're going to get your stuff forevermore. And in this changing world, they're not. I'm experimenting. I'm I'm, I'm doing Substack and Locals, um, mm-hmm. and I've still got Patreon clinging on by my fingernails and Subscribestar. And I'm hoping that if I do all that, I get um uh you know uh cover my my bases. So. Dear beloved listeners and viewers, please remember to support me. And um, James, thank you so much again. um, Let's do it. Let's make the gap shorter between our next shows because now that history is accelerating, we we, we need to be Mm. on top of it. It's a good point. We could do this every day, but uh, we could. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'll I'll be happy to do it again. Great. Thanks a lot, James. Uh, Bye-bye. Take care.